0: live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show the accunet mortgage talk and text line is open now give jeff a call at 855-616-1620 and now wtmj's jeff wagner good afternoon wisconsin
1: welcome to the show so glad to have you with us i just had one of these object lessons about maybe Maybe you need to work on your image. Um, my producer comes in to help me out with some little mechanical stuff beforehand. He says, why in the world are you wearing a suit? Well, I, I, I fully acknowledge, I mean, it, it is right now. I used to wear a suit every day because th- there was a period of time for six or seven years where I after I got done with the radio show I'd run across um, and I'd do the three o'clock TV show so then you had to dress like a lawyer and stuff like that so that was like six or seven years but that hasn't been for a couple years and so I now dress like a radio person
2: typically with blue jeans
1: right right, Kyle? I mean, it's, it's okay I mean you know
2: There's Packers and then there's Brewers sometimes there's Marquette and other times you might have a no sports and a zip up and yeah. then there's Tommy Bahama then and that's it
1: Right exactly that's routine and it's blue jeans and things like that. So today, I'm in one of my lawyer suits, and and, and my producer, Gru, comes in and says, what, what are you doing in a, a suit? You know, you, you wear that, and people think it's either a job interview or a funeral or something, and no, no the, the simple answer is... I've had appointments and stuff since early this morning, had a meeting, I'll talk about that in just a second, a meeting at 9 o'clock this morning, and then I'm going to go see an advertiser after the program, and then tonight, my wife and I are joining friends of ours for dinner, and the place we're going, I, I, I need to dress up and I just as I was looking at the day I just didn't think I was gonna have time to change my clothes. So you know we, we we get the suit all day. So that's that that is the no, it's not a funeral, it's not a job interview, it is nothing like that. Speaking of appearances, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner620, one of my very, very favorite movies from the nineteen eighties was the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And if it was a movie that launched the careers of of a lot of a lot of people who went on to become you know pretty decent sized stars, and it was a movie it was set in California at a high school shopping mall, and it it tracked like the senior year in school for a lot of the kids, and it, it featured like a lot of you know the the fancy music and stuff, probably. The, the biggest person to emerge from that was Sean Penn. And Sean Penn played a surfer dude character named Jeff Spicoli. And if you've seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the guy was, you know, he, he was the guy that ordered the pizzas, to delivered to class and things like that. And it was kind of, he was just sort of a burnout, but okay, and, and in a nice sort of way. All right, Sean, uh, Sean Penn, this morning was on the TV show uh, Morning Joe, the MSNBC show. Now, you know, Sean Penn is a big liberal activist and stuff. And, they, of course, because of the pandemic, you, you don't go into the studios anymore. You do the, the Zoom things. So Sean Penn was on Morning Joe today. And if you want to see – Sean Penn, by the way, is 60 years old. And I, if you want to see what he looked like – well, let me put it like this. If you ever wondered – what the Jeff Spicoli character in Fast Times at Ridgemont High would look like at the age of 60? You look at Sean Penn this morning, um, and I've got a picture of this up there. It's life-imitating art. Sean Penn at 60 looks exactly like you would imagine his Jeff Spicoli character from Fast Times at Ridgemont High would look at the age of 60. Matter of fact, this is getting all sorts of commentary, not the Spicoli take on it, but you know, people are wondering... <clears throat> Obviously, he just flat out rolled out of bed before he just dis- and decided I-, I don't even need to take a comb and put it through my hair before I go on national TV. So, if you want to see Jeff Spicoli at age of sixty, just follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. It's uh, I don't know. You get the idea that life hasn't been necessarily that good to Sean Penn. I mean. After you get divorced from Madonna, we, you know there's just there's probably nowhere to go but down or something like that, I guess. But Sean Penn, Jeff Spicoli, age sixty, check it out. All right, we're we're going to talk about a number of substantive issues, but I want to, I want to discuss something with you. A couple interesting experiences I've had, and I I, I talk about it as the importance of attitude. Now I, I, I I've dealt I've had four separate instances in in the last like 24 hours that I wanted to share with you yesterday morning I I was trying to it what I, what it, what it particularly was isn't important but I was trying to arrange to get a service started and you call the, this national company to do it and I so I make the call I end up talking to a guy named Newton and so I explain what I what I am trying to do to Newton and you know, Newton is, like, typing the things in there, and he says, well, no, you're, you're not going to be able to do the, this th- this yet. This has to happen first, and this has to happen first. And I'm saying, well, I, I understand, this, but th- this is all going to happen in the next day or two. I'm trying to schedule this for, like, two weeks down the line. Can't we just set up an appointment two weeks down the line because all this stuff will have happened? No, we, we can't do that. So Newton and I are going back and forth, and I'm trying... Newton understands what I'm trying to accomplish, and I think Newton understands that it it is going to be accomplished, but he's got this rules-or-rules sort of mentality, and he's very clearly not trying to think out of the box and try to figure out a way to accomplish this without me having to call back and presumably get somebody else, you know, in a couple days. So, I mean, he it's just it's kind of like this no, we can't do that. No, we can't do that. And I'm getting a little bit exasperated because I'm I'm trying to just expedite this process. Well, can we reserve a time ahead of time? No, 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 we can't do that. And it's very clear to me that Newton wants no nothing to do with this. It's like, okay, I I don't want to deal with this. He's getting exasperated with me because I keep trying to suggest different workarounds. And he's just, no, this isn't going to happen. No, 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 no. All right, fine. So I I admit, I hang up the phone with Newton and it's just, it's kind of a bad taste in my mouth for this business because there was no effort at all to try to help me accomplish what I was trying to accomplish in an easy fashion. I understand that rules are rules, but my guess is if I would have found somebody other than Newton, they might've found a workaround for what I was trying to do. And, and we could have accomplished this without me having to jump through a couple hoops or some other people having jumped through some hoops and then me having to call back. So it's kind of like I've been sort of grumbling about Newton because to me, it was what, you know, Clark Howard would describe as the customer, no service. Now, I flipped the switch on that. My wife has been in the process of buying some furniture, and the furniture salesman that she has been dealing with, she, she comes home all the time and talks about how wonderful the guy has been, not just only with the suggestion of ideas, but working with her on delivery times and when the billings are going to go through, and she's just been, been singing the guy's praises. Um, I I had... I had to go into the bank to do something th- th- this morning. And it-, it wasn't the most complicated thing, but it wasn't necessarily simple either. The the guy I dealt with, my personal banker, could not have been nicer, better, more accommodating. Um, okay, Jeff, if-, if something changes in the next week, you know, just let me know. All you have to do is make a call. We can do this. We can do that. We can do the other. And I'm thinking, huh, in contrast to Newton, I- I'd rather be – James, the furniture guy, or I'd rather be Bryant, the bank guy. So then on the way into work, I decide since I decided I haven't had breakfast, I stop off at McDonald's. Now, if there was ever a justification for being grumpy, for being a Newton, it would be working at a McDonald's the week before Christmas. You know, I mean, if you were going to justify that, if you you wanted to be a Newton and a grump, I could understand that. So I, I pull up to pay the money. I order my thing. I, I pay the dr- stuff at the drive through window. The guy there, he's just happy. Nice to see you, sir. How are you doing? Here, it's $6, my man. And we, we had actually a great conversation. He was upbeat. I'm thinking, huh, what's going on? So then I get up to the window where you get the food. The guy behind the window, he's happy. He's upbeat. Well, you sir, you have a really nice day. Here, let me get this for you. You need something extra. And I drove away and I thought, okay, the customer service experience between my dealing with the guy at the bank, my wife's bank. Dealing with the guy at the furniture store my dealing with the two people at the McDonald's drive-through window was so good it makes you want to go back there and then I contrast that with my dealings with Newton yesterday that makes me dread calling this company back and doing business with the company but unfortunately I'm going to have to it's the nature of the thing but I was thinking about what a difference attitude makes when it comes to dealing with the general public our number 8556161620 that's the Accunate mortgage talk and text line if i were a business person that would be the biggest emphasis i would have is that attitude matters and trying to be helpful especially in an environment now where businesses are struggling, where everybody's kind of on their last nerve, by being that let me help you guy instead of the Newton, it is amazing to me the different attitude and the way the customers can look at your business. Eight five five, six one six, one six twenty. That's the accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How important is attitude to you when it comes to, you know, dealing with I do know, people that you're doing business with. And to me, it, the, the last 24 hours has really, three times in a really nice way, once in a really bad way, has really just hammered home. Attitude is everything. 855-616-1620 or almost everything. We discuss in a minute. Welcome back
0: to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 8556161620 Jeff my job is a service tech I tell young guys attitude is your friend start the day with a good attitude it goes well start the day with a bad attitude the day turns to crap incredibly Quickly. Um, you know, no, no doubt about that. Um, let's see. Jeff, one of my bosses said, if you can't treat every customer like he's your favorite, I don't want you working here. Well, that's, that's it, Jeff. This is a pet peeve of mine. Customer service is so important to me. I don't care if it's buying insurance or buying a car or buying a Big Mac. And and that's it. I mean, again, I've, I've got the whole wave of experiences in the last 24 hours from, you know, from buying furniture to buying, you know, breakfast at McDonald's to, you know, trying to arrange a a semi-complicated financial transaction at the local bank to, again, trying to deal with some national service provider. And it's it's just amazing the fact that even if, look, I I understand that sometimes the the answer can't be yes. Sometimes it's, okay, sir, we, we can't do this, but it's... The, the idea that at least maybe let me try to help you with your workaround, and we'll see if we can do this instead of no, 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 call back. 855-616-1620. Todd in Milwaukee. Todd, you're on WTMJ.
3: Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for taking the Hi, call. Hi, Todd. I could, I could not agree with you more. Everybody knows what good customer service looks like. It's not something that, you know, <laughs> yeah. we miss, you know. So right. if there's these opportunities, I had one today. And once you with my company, we get a wellness incentive. You know, you, you go to your doctor, you fill out a form. And my wife hadn't done her yet, so I had to print out this form. But there's like four different screens to log into with four different passwords to get to where the form is. And then it's like hidden. <laughs> and I called the guy, and he's like, well, you got to go here. I'm like, okay. And then he's like, well, I need to talk to your wife, so you'll have to call back. Every goal <laughs> of his was to get me off the phone. I said, oh, you need to talk to my wife. I said, that's too bad. I said, "Well." I said, wait a minute. She's right here. So he thought he was getting off the phone. I walked her up handed her. She walked it, you know, back yeah. to me. She doesn't really want to deal with this. Right, right. And, you know, she just had to go to the doctor today for another appointment. I said, you might as well fill this out. They're going to get a couple hundred bucks of incentive. Right. And it's just, I've, I've worked in customer service. I've been on that other end of the phone. Right. And we were, we were trained, you know, to do it. Do it the right way, and some. If I were to guess, I would say you were at a national telephone provider trying to get
1: service. <laughs> well, and maybe I'll totally say easy. maybe I'll say that. But yeah, but it, but it, 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 some again, I, I don't want to necessarily give him up because that, he, But he was clearly a rules or rules guy, and I understand that. Right. But but it was like exactly what you were saying. He wanted me off the phone. You know, he he didn't want to even try to do a work around for me. It was like, no, you're going to have to jump through these hoops and then call back, and you'll probably get somebody other than me. No, th- thanks for the call, but no, I. I I understand exactly what you're talking about. You go through the four screens, and then it's like, look, can't can't we just figure out a way to make this work? And if there's something extra I have to do right now, can, can you tell me this so we can get this done? But it's that that leaves you with a positive, a good feeling about things. Um, let's talk to Tom in Hartford. Tom, you're on WTMJ.
4: Yes, Jeff. I had a similar thing that you had yesterday at McDonald's in Hartford. Mine's in Hartford. Okay. I come up to pay for my uh, my item with $6, and she says to me, Merry Christmas, but it's already paid for by the, by the car in front of you. what? <laughs> oh. She says, yes. She said, we have this a lot the time. So I went to the window got my uh, stuff, went around the corner where this lady went, and she was parked there. went next door. and she rolled down her window. I said, thank you so very much. She says, have a Merry Christmas. I would say she was a lady in her 40s, very nice person. But she's paid
1: for my dinner. Isn't that cool? And, and, right, it's one of those. I mean is for, really yeah, cool.
4: yeah, I never had that
1: happen. No, and it, it makes it's one. Oh, thanks for no, it's one of those random acts of kindness. No, th- thanks for the call. and I'm glad you had a good story because um, I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure I know the guy th- that owns the McDonald's in Hartford, and I think it, I was thinking, okay, if this is a, if this is we're going to rip on it, I'm going to. Well, he, he, he doesn't, he, he understands that that's the difference. But I actually, my, my friend who owns the McDonald's, that's a, that's the big thing. It's it's the whole idea of trying to make it an enjoyable experience for your customers. Again, whether you're, they're buying a Big Mac or whether you're you're buying a car or whatever. Jeff, I've had trouble with customer service at a company, so I hung up, waited a few minutes, called again, and got someone else. The difference between the two people at the same company was like night and day, one working for money and putting in the hours and one who wanted to help people. Yeah, I I, I get it. And I, again, I'm trying, the reason I'm not naming the company is I just, I, I, I try not to be too hard on the guy because I, I guess technically on a rules or rules thing, I understand what he was saying. My only point is he, he didn't want to help me try to figure out, like I said, the best way is is a workaround. It was no, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. And a week from now, I'm, I'm going to be in the same situation and I'll, I'll I, I, hopefully the people that are doing the workaround have done the workaround and then I can call back and, and we can get this going instead of just, hey, I, I just I was trying to set something up now. Let's talk to James in Milwaukee. James, you're on WTMJ.
3: Yeah, Jeff. Hi, uh, I, can, I, I kind of get that feeling too, but uh, I've uh, working with trying to work with a uh, direct TV I've had them for about 20 years and it seems you get all these people that are from that can't speak English and stuff like that and you get a run, run around and everything attitude problem and stuff and well, I just told them, well Merry Christmas and happy new year goodbye i I guess I can't uh, they can't help me anymore. I guess I'll go back to broadcast TV. Uh,
1: well, there you go, right? You've I... got different choices, no, James. Th- thanks for calling again. It, it's not to me. It's not so much the okay. Is this an out-of-town call center, or, or are you talking to somebody overseas? It's it, it's not that. It's I, I think it's the attitude that the person brings, regardless of, of where they are. Which is okay. Are you going to try to figure out a way to help the customers, or, or not? And in, in the, your case, I mean, you, you've got a lot of different choices. You you don't. I mean, if, if you don't want to go with a, a particular satellite provider. You've got all sorts of different choices, I, I would guess, to do that. that and, and the point of this wasn't to rip on you know, any particular company or anything like that. It, it's more just to kind of comment on this experience I had and really hit home the point of if you have somebody who, and look, businesses are trying to survive nowadays. This is, this is a struggle. Businesses are trying to figure out what can we do to get our customer, to get our customers, to keep our customers, how, when things turn, when this pandemic eventually comes to an end how are we going to be positioned to to deal with with this as everybody goes back to spending money and and it will and i i can't tell you if it's first quarter or second quarter or 2022 i don't know when but i know it's going to happen and i think the clear answer is to go to the the people that are working now and say look you you got to you got to go that extra mile you know if cuz you, you if we want to be here three months from now or six months from now or whatever, you got to build customer loyalty and I will tell you in the case of all right the, again the furniture store, the bank where I was at they've got a ton of customer loyalty there there is they, they treated me extremely well and it was just as easy to be nice and accommodating and go out of your way and build customer loyalty as it was to be Newton back with more in just a minute this is Jeff Wagner.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: This time of year just wouldn't be the same without the WTMJ holiday show. So even though we can't perform in front of everybody this year, we're still keeping the tradition alive. Tune in on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day to hear Gene Miller and the WTMJ players performing a COVID Christmas carol. WTMJ's holiday radio show is sponsored by Capco's Kids to Kids Christmas Wonderland and Professional Construction, Inc. All right, mark the tape on this one. The head of the Common Council and the mayor of the city of Milwaukee are absolutely right. Now, you don't hear me say that very often, but every once in a while, that blind squirrel finds an acorn, you know, and and we are at that point now in the city of Milwaukee. The police department is supervised by an unelected and unaccountable board called the Fire and Police Commission. The Fire and Police Commission was created by state law in 1885, so it goes back that long, and the Milwaukee Charter. But the Fire and Police Commission has massive, massive powers and almost no accountability. The mayor appoints members of the Fire and Police Commission. The members that he appoints must then be confirmed by the Common Council. But once they get on, there, there's very, very little accountability. Frank Gimbel, who was on prominent Milwaukee attorney, been for, for decades. Don't mean to age you, Frank, but that's the case. I mean, I go back when I first started in the U.S. Attorney's Office in the early 1980s, Frank had, had his own law firm, but he had been in the U.S. Attorney's Office before. Frank, and I, and, I, and the only reason I bring politics into this is that Frank isn't some right-wing Republican. Frank is a big-time Democrat, and he, he was on the Fire and Police Commission. He went on to be in the on the, the, the convention bureaus, not the, sta- the bureau, but he, he was part of the Wisconsin Center District. He was responsible for converting the Milwaukee Auditorium into to the Milwaukee Theater. We kind of tangled on issues like that. But Frank has been an institution for years and years. So Frank Gimble represents Al Morales. Al Morales, the, I I don't know, I'd say former police chief, but he's been ordered reinstated by a judge. And, you know, is is trying to get Morales paid off or trying to get him his job back or or whatever. He goes on air air yesterday and said, you know, he, he used to be on the Fire and Police Commission, and when he was on the Fire and Police Commission, they, they appointed people based on IQ, intellect, as opposed to zip code, which is, I think, his way of saying the Fire and Police Commission has become a bunch of uh, politically connected, politically correct hacks. Whatever reason, the Fire and Police Commission is not working. Now, I, I don't know how. Let's, let's start at the beginning. The city of Milwaukee has an out-of-control crime problem. And you, you can't pretend otherwise. We will the city of Milwaukee will have, in all likelihood, the highest number of homicides ever. 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 I mean, you go go back to the nineties and the late eighties when you had the, you know, crack cocaine wars between gangs. It's gonna be more than that. This year, you've got violent crime that is through the roof. You've got property crime that is through the roof. And it's not just homicides. It's shootings, all this through the roof. So what we're doing is not working. It's very, very clear. You have the Fire and Police Commission, which decided to run the best police chief that Milwaukee has had, in my opinion, in 30 years, run him out of town on a rail. And they did it in a fashion that everybody, including the city attorney, agrees violated his constitutional rights, which has now led to this mess where you've got the, a circuit judge who has said, okay, uh, Chief Morales, he's entitled to his job back. Reinstate him. Meanwhile, you've got a fire and police commission that is deadlocked. They can't decide on a new police chief. The person they put in is the acting chief. He leaves tomorrow. I think he's retiring. Um, it's almost it, you wonder, you know, what what's going on here? You have members of the Common Council who really have no oversight of the police department other than they approve, you know, who the members of the Fire and Police Commission are. You've got members of the Fire and Police Commission who are saying we should start the whole process of looking for a chief all over again. Crime is out of control. It is a complete and total mess. And I'm not even getting to all the dysfunction. On the Fire and Police Commission, where you've got, you know, executive directors, people who work for the commissioners who are quitting right and left, saying they can't work for the directors. You have one member of the Fire and Police Commission, the only guy that was on there that had law enforcement experience. He quits saying, you you just can't work. (laughs) You, You can't work in this environment. And again, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially the people that I'm working with have no clue. It's just a flat out mess. It's a mess that is costing the city of Milwaukee, or will cost them, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars in settlements. It's a mess that has generated morale on the police department just heading completely towards the gutter. And it's a mess that has just absolutely paralyzed the city at a time when you need effective leadership to deal with out-of-control crime and balance all the other issues that are out there, including the social justice movements and things like that. So into this fray, the question becomes, what do we do? Do we keep with the insane procedure of doing the same thing over and over again and hoping that the Fire and Police Commission gets better? Or is it time to maybe start thinking, I'd say it's outside the box, but I don't know that it's that revolutionary, and saying, you know what, this model that we set up in 1885, and maybe it's arguably served the city well for a long time, but it no longer works now tom barrett tom barrett's out publicly saying you bet i'd like to select the police chief uh the head of the common council he's out there saying you know i maybe you know with with common council approval approval may, maybe we sh- we should have the mayor select the police chief at the end of the day see the mayor is ultimately accountable to the voters. Now, I understand that in Milwaukee, you know, once you get elected mayor, you you pretty much get to stay mayor for as long as you want. But but nevertheless, you have an elected official who is responsible when things go wrong and when things go right, can take the credit. Here you have this Fire and Police Commission, which is completely dysfunctional, but there's nobody out there that holds them accountable. I have come to the conclusion, just looking at the dumpster fire that the Fire and Police Commission has become, not just in the last couple months, but it's been over the last couple of years. I firmly believe, I firmly believe they should not be selecting the new chief. As a matter of fact, I believe that the best thing to do would probably be to disband the Fire and Police Commission and allow, again, control by the elected officials. Make the mayor account, Let give the mayor the authority to to pick the police chief. And then if he picks a dud, well, OK, you, you hold the mayor accountable when he comes or she comes up for, for election. 855-616-1620. That's the academic mortgage talk and text line to me. And I mentioned this the other day. To me, the question isn't should Al Morales, former Chief Morales, be reinstated? Now, I don't think that's going to happen. But, yeah, that that would be the best-case scenario. Best-case scenario was let Morales run the police department. Get rid of the Fire and Police Commission. 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let Tom Barrett, let the mayor select the chief. Make the mayor accountable for the way the police department runs. It's an elected official who comes up before the public, Once every four years, if things are screwed up, that then becomes an issue. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And candidly, we would not, we being the city of Milwaukee and its taxpayers and its citizens who are looking to be protected from the out-of-control crime rate, I think would be a lot better off if Tom Barrett... Or whoever the mayor is. Take Barrett out of this. The mayor had the opportunity, the obligation to make these selections as to, you know, who he wants as the police chief to run his city and then ends up being held accountable if he screws up, 855-616-1620. Again, you can't just wave a magic wand and do it. You need it to start with the legislature. But I would start by stripping the Fire and Police Commission of as much power as you possibly could and maybe even eliminating them because this model doesn't work anymore. 855-616-1620. We discuss.
2: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620.
1: 855-616-1620. Just looking at the weather forecast. It, Christmas Eve is going to be the coldest night of this, this season. And it uh, drops down to, I think the temperature is going to get to like around 4 degrees or something like that Christmas Eve evening. And then, then kind of bounce up again. And uh, But again, the long long term forecast, at least through the end of the year, looks looks pretty decent. I mean, for this time of year, no major snowfalls forecast and stuff. So I, I understand we're kind of living on borrowed time when it comes to that. But daylight hours yesterday as we talked about was the winter solstice so daylight hours the amount of daylight is increasing right now it's about nine hours of daylight by June 22nd it goes up to like 15 hours of daylight so we, we've kind of turned the corner for those of you who like me aren't lovers of winter Eight five five six one six one six twenty. that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line considering Barrett is the one who selected the members of the Fire and Police Commission what makes you think he would do a better job selecting a police chief. Okay. Well, first of all, again, take take Tom Barrett out of the equation. Let, let's just talk about the the mayor because Barrett's not always going to be the mayor. I think it's better to put the responsibility for the police department in the hands of the mayor. And then again, if things don't work out, you have the direct ability to control it. I think Barrett would tell you, a matter of fact, he's saying it. he's incredibly frustrated. Because what happens is once he names people, and I think you can you can go along with what Frank Gimbel was saying and say that the choices to the Fire and Police Commission have been awful just absolutely awful. And I'm not being personal here. I'm just saying collectively, the Fire and Police Commission has demonstrated over and over again that it is not up to the task that it has been assigned. Might be wonderful people, but I think it is telling and interesting that none of the people in the Fire and Police Commission right now have any experience in law enforcement at all. None at all. So, it is it, It's not unreasonable to understand why they are completely beyond their depth when it comes to again dealing with issues of of urban policing now. And they kind of bounce around and they are responsive. You get a couple of nasty calls from somebody in the community who's upset with this, or they use tear gas to stop people from throwing bottles. Oh, we can't do that. And 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 again, it if you put the mayor in charge, and you say to the mayor, okay, you are accountable, then it, at least. All right, you've got an election issue when the mayor comes up for re-election and you have an ability of the citizens to control it. Right now it's so diluted there's nothing you can do about the dumpster fire clown car act that is the that is the fire and police commission because once they get on the fire and police commission, Tom Barrett or any mayor loses control of them, which is why you have um I don't know, you know, so much problem with that. Um, let's see, Jeff, why don't we put the money towards something useful? Jeff, who has the power to disband the Fire and Police Commission, whoever that is, they need to do their job? I think it starts with the state legislature, because the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission was the creation of, of the state legislature in the 1880s. And, and again, you can argue that maybe for a long time, that model... Has has worked. It doesn't work anymore. Jeff, do you think the clown car acted as the fire and police commission regrets firing Morales? No, I don't think they see that. That's the that's the thing. They didn't like Al Morales because Al Morales was not woke enough for them. So they decided, regardless of the contract, we're gonna we're gonna run him out of town on a rail. Um, keep in mind, Morales was chosen it was a split decision there wasn't unanimity behind advancing uh, al morales in the first place so you had members of the fire and police commission that were never in his corner Uh, tom barrett was not a huge supporter of of Al Morales. He didn't have his back like he had Ed Flynn's back, but I think part of it too was that Al Morales didn't kiss a certain part of the mayor's anatomy like um Ed Flynn did. Ed Flynn, like most urban police chiefs, ultimately wore out his welcome. It, it's it's tough being an urban police chief, but uh nonetheless, I no, I don't think the Fire and Police Commission regrets getting rid of him. It's just they probably regret the fact that they did it in such an incompetent way that they have exposed city of Milwaukee taxpayers to liability that will cost the taxpayers hundreds of thousands of dollars and maybe more, and has also resulted in the police department effectively being paralyzed. Because like I say, right now you have, an, you have a former chief who's been sacked, who has a court order saying he's entitled to his job back. You have an acting police chief who took over when the first chief was illegally discharged, who is leaving tomorrow. You have an acting chief who has been appointed to take over, but what is that? where does that leave Morales, who has a court order saying he's entitled to come back? And meanwhile, you have a fire and police commission that's deadlocked over who the next chief is going to be. And if it wasn't crazier, the mayor has appointed uh, uh, the seventh member of the fire and police commission, who will be the deciding vote, if she is in fact appointed. Um, number one, the city screwed up. She's not eligible to go, um, right away to be voted on because they, they did the wrong background check. How, how could that happen? Number two she has a record of being what I would describe as anti-cop. That is, you know, calling for defunding the police, um, calling for having the police out of schools, out, get out of schools. Why Tom Barrett thought that she was going to be a great choice is absolutely beyond me. But but nonetheless, if she is, in fact, appointed to the Fire and Police Commission, she's going to effectively be making the decision on who the new hire is going to be without having interviewed any of the people that applied for the jobs. It, it's it's. It is possible that this could be more screwed up, but I swear I do not know how. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Have we learned nothing? Or or the more common cliche would be those who um, forget the lessons of the past are doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. All right. Early on in the pandemic, we know it originated in China. There was a push early on to shut down travel between the United States and China. And President Trump resisted the urge to do that early on. He didn't do it for a few weeks after some people suggested it. In retrospect, we know that it would have been the thing to do. Now look, I i don't know that had we shut down travel from China two weeks earlier, three weeks earlier, whatever, I don't know that that would have changed where we are now with COVID-19. Matter of fact, I I think you can make an argument that that this this pandemic is so virulent that it was going to spread regardless, and, and that, you know, the timing while the timing might have been a little bit later, that it might have been delayed, that if we would have shut down travel from China three weeks earlier, that we we would have still ultimately ended up having to do the shutdowns we did before, and we'd still be in the position where we're in now. you, You can certainly make that argument. But I think in retrospect, can we all agree that it would not have hurt to shut down air travel between the United States and China a few weeks earlier? Well, we're faced with that situation again. In Great Britain, they are seeing a new variation of of COVID-19. It's a new mutation. It's a variant of the coronavirus. And what they're finding is that it's not necessarily more deadly, but they estimate that it's about 70% more infectious. So th- this isn't a deal where th- if you get it, the results are going to be necessarily worse, but it spreads easier it 's more infected, so more people are going to get it so it 's a variation of this they don 't know for sure where this this mutant version Where it originated and some people are saying well it might have originated in the United States with people traveling to you know the United Kingdom because in the United Kingdom they do a really really good job a better job than most places in the world at at being able to you know identify strains of, of the virus but regardless. This virus isn't showing up, this version of the virus isn't showing up in large numbers, if at all, right now in the United States or in other European countries. Right now, it's pretty much confined to the United Kingdom. Now, the good news about this is that the vaccine, the, the vaccine treats this variation of COVID just like it treats other variations of COVID. The, the, the big distinction is this variation of it is more infectious. There's no evidence that if you've had COVID and you've recovered that you're more likely to get this new strain. But, but if you haven't had it and you come into contact with somebody who has this new strain, it's more likely that you're going to get infected. All right. So that's the background of this. In the wake of this evidence, a number of European countries have said all right here's what we're going to do we're not going to allow people to come in from great britain for for the moment you know we're going to shut down you know air travel between great britain and our countries germany france italy canada israel the netherlands and belgium all announced bans on passenger air travel from the united kingdom Other countries were considering this because they don't want the pandemic to get worse before Christmas. As it stands now, the United States isn't planning to do that. And there's some people in the United States, some other people are making decisions saying, well, we're not really sure there's a need to do this right now. So, you know, we, we don't think we have to do it. We don't see any evidence that this mutant strain is in the United States yet, which would seem to me to be an argument why you would shut down at least temporarily air travel between the U.S. and the United Kingdom. Our number eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's an AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text line. All right, right now, if you if you want to travel, for example, by air from the United States to France, good luck. I mean, just good luck with doing that. If you can get in, you're subject to an extensive sort of quarantine. That's what France needs to do to try to keep people in France safe. I I understand that. I guess at this point in time, given the fact that you have this new, more infectious strain, which so far appears to be largely concentrated in Great Britain, why, at least temporarily, we wouldn't stop people from Great Britain from coming over via air is absolutely beyond me. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, I'm, I'm not saying this has to be a permanent ban, but until we know, and, and it may very well be, that this mutant strain of the virus is in the United States already. That that I accept that that's a possibility, but I guess my reaction would be, by shutting down air travel for 15 days or 30 days, what does it hurt? Doesn't this make sense until we figure out where we're going or until we figure out a way to get more particularly the most vulnerable of our population um inoculated with the vaccine? eight five five six one six one six twenty. If it was a good idea to close the bo- air travel off between China and the us back in February a few weeks earlier, isn't it a good idea right now to do what France? And Italy and Germany and all these other European countries are doing which is to say okay we're gonna put a pause on travel between the United States and Great Britain 855-616-1620 we discuss
0: back to take your calls here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner
1: 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line look I, I'm not the let's shut it down and let's stop everything kind of guy matter of fact I'm the guy who has been arguing for months and months and months that we have to do and should be doing everything we possibly can to help control the spread of the virus while still uh, allowing our businesses to whatever extent possible, you know, stay open. I, that That's the argument I'm making. So when I look at this new strain of virus, which is spreading in Great Britain, and apparently they say it's 70 percent more infectious, that the consequences aren't worse. You can still treat it with a vaccine, but it's 70 percent more infectious than the, the normal covid-19. It tells me that we should be doing everything we can in the middle of a pandemic to stop that strain of virus from coming to the United States. Now, maybe it's already here. I I can see that. But if you know it's in Great Britain, don't you want to do everything you possibly can to stop it from spreading over here, guaranteeing that we're going to have more and more people who get sick? And my answer would be yes. And for the life of me, I do not understand why the government is not doing what governments in Germany and France and Italy and Belgium and the Netherlands um, have done, which is, temporarily suspend air travel between their countries and Great Britain. 855-616-1620. Katie in Burlington. Katie, good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon. I say practice what you preach. Every day we are preached. You need to isolate. You need to pull your kids out of school. You need to close your business. You need to open at 25% capacity. And we've all been told to make sacrifices
5: for the greater good. And they can't temporarily... Put a ban on travel to the United Kingdom and America. It makes absolutely no sense. You have to preach what you yeah practice what you preach.
6: Well, well, right, right,
1: e- exactly. And, and, and no, thanks for calling, Katie. And again, maybe. Maybe we would end up being in the same situation. I mean, we've argued that about the China thing, but right now our concern is that we, we want to stop the healthcare system from becoming overwhelmed, the flatten the curve thing until more and more people get the vaccination. We're in the process of rolling out the vaccinations. What doesn't it make more sense to wait, you know, 30 days? Two, I don't know, two weeks, you know, 30 days, four weeks, whatever it's going to be, until you get more and more, particularly of the vulnerable population, more and more people vaccinated, until you get a handle on what this new strain of virus is, doesn't it make sense to suspend travel? I mean, look. Look, try to go between the United States and Canada right now. It's still, I mean, that's an iffy sort of proposition. If you're an essential worker, you can, but then you've got to quarantine yourself. I mean, why wouldn't we do something like this in order to, at some point in time, as soon as possible, get us back to some sense of normal where we can start flying across the world? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Rob in Wausau. Rob, you're on WTMJ.
4: Hi, Jeff. I just wanted to say I'm a first-time caller. Well, Thanks for calling. But I, yeah, absolutely. But I just want to say that I'm, uh, I'm very passionate about your thoughts, and, and I totally agree with you that we should be doing everything that we possibly can um, to, to help stop the spread of this virus. If it's 70% contagious, we should be erring on the side of caution yeah. and being proactive like these other countries are doing. And it's you had the great, great choice of words is beyond me because I feel the same exact way that I don't understand what they're thinking, that we're going to take a chance at having this virus being that much more contagious, infecting what. You know, so many people that that already been infected, we have this this issue going on.
1: Right. Uh, Rob, hey, th- thanks for calling. Uh call back again sometime. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, I, that that's see that that's the whole point. Now, if I try to think about what might be going on, the, the best guess, and it's just a guess that I could give you. The best guess would be that right now the stock market, see, the stock market has been going up. Uh, it, it's been kind of wavering over the last few days because there's a balance. Uh, investors and, and the businesses very, very happy with the the bailout, the new stimulus plan that we're going to talk about a little bit later in the program. But the, the flip side is that one of the dampening things has been that the fact that worldwide you've had this resurgence of, of COVID nineteen. You've had you know, the, these travel bans that are in place. That that's hurt lots of different industries and crews, including like the travel industry, the oil prices are down, all those type of things. And so, I, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that maybe you've got people in the current administration who are concerned that if the United States imposed a travel ban between here and the United Kingdom, that would, again, you know, send shockwaves through the stock market, which might cause the stock market to plunge. My comment would be, Anything that happened like that, in my opinion, would be a temporary thing. Yeah, yeah you, you might have a bad result for a couple of days, but but it's going to come back. I, I don't think anybody's arguing that permanently you want to close the borders between the United States and Great Britain. It, it might go down a short time. But the truth of the matter is the sooner. The sooner we get people vaccinated, the sooner we get herd immunity, the sooner we get control of this pandemic, the sooner we're going to get it back to normal, the sooner um, businesses are going to stay open—all those different types of things. And so, if it means closing the border to air travel for two weeks or three weeks, what, what the heck? Let, let's let's do it as a way of trying to get us to the goal line quicker. Gianni and Montello, Gianni are in WTMJ. Good afternoon.
6: Hey, uh, good topic, Jeff. Hey, listen. Why do why why do uh, Commissioner Nugent and Nigel need to travel to the United States? Oh, they're on business and that. But we've got a pandemic uh, across this world, and if there's a mutant strain that is uh, detected in Britain, why would we want to bring it? To the United States, um, yeah. you know, we've got enough problems here, Jeff. You know, we 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 lead the world in COVID cases and COVID deaths. The Asian countries are a fractional compared to what the United States has, has yeah. experienced over the last eight months. So, so way to go, America! What a great um, <laughs> you know uh, you know intellectual uh, po- political economic experiment. Um, no,
1: That's thanks. No, Gianni. I, I yeah. I mean, this is it. I, it's somebody was texting me saying, "Jeff, are you saying that that the the vaccine works on the new strain?" And my answer is, "Yeah." That ev- everything I have seen says, "Yeah." That the, the the new strain doesn't. It it's not worse in the sense that it causes worse complications. That if you get it, you're you're more likely to have a bad reaction than you would otherwise. That the, the big my understanding and i guess i'm again i don't play a doctor on the radio but i'm pretty sure about this the the my understanding is the new strain the the big thing that differentiates it from previous strains of covid is that it's more infectious you know if you're If you have it and you, if you are exposed to somebody who has it, you're more likely to get it. That, that's, that's it. It's not that your outcome is necessarily likely to be worse, but you're more likely to get it. And yes, my understanding in all the doctors I'm seeing are saying, yeah, that they believe that the vaccines that have been developed are, are equally as effective on the new strain. So it's, but it's still, it's more infectious. And right now at the height of the pandemic, Our goal is to stop people from getting infected. So, again, I go back to this basic premise. I'm not a guy who's in favor of of bans and shutdowns and things like that. But to me, this seems to be a a no brainer till we know for sure what we are dealing with and and why you wouldn't other than admittedly, for a short term, maybe panicking the stock market. Like I say, look, I, I got a lot of money in the stock market. I, I don't want to see the market panic, and I don't want to see you know a 2,000-point drop. But the bottom line is, at the end of the day, it's going to come back. I mean, the market responds to some of these temporary things. And if you were to announce a travel ban, yes, there would be some decline in the stock market, but it would come back. And if this helps, helps keep people safer. Now, by the way, it might turn out that this new strain is in, in America already it might it might already be here and it might just be that you know we're we're not as good as the uk is in developing and detecting you know what these various strains are so it could very well be here but until we know that don't you want to do everything you can to try to stop people from again getting infected and if it's good enough for germany and france and canada and israel and the netherlands and all these other countries if they think it's a good idea why aren't we doing it in the United States? Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump. Back with
0: more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All
1: right. How would you like to be on this plane flight? Now, I, there's some people out there that love to fly. And, and I, I have several friends, for example, who have pilot's license, and they love to fly. I, I've never been that guy. I to me, I, I I'm not a white knuckled flyer that like like jumps every time the, the plane hits an air pocket and stuff. And and I understand that I, I view I view air travel as something that's just kind of necessary. I want to go to Las Vegas, I want to go to Florida, I want to go to California. Well I, I don't have three days to drive there. Here, we're we're gonna fly. So I, I'm I'm cool with that. I don't enjoy it. It's not like, oh, I'm looking forward to this. It's more like I'm looking forward to the trip, and i got to get on the plane to, to get there. And we all have plane experiences. Can you imagine if this was yours? Here's the way the New York Times reports it. Brian Plummer was sitting towards the back of a Delta Airlines flight, getting ready to depart LaGuardia Airport on Monday. The flight was going from LaGuardia to Atlanta. When he said he noticed a man and a woman with a large service dog nearby. The plane was not completely full, and the couple kept bouncing around to different seats. They they wouldn't sit in any given seats. The man and the woman never did settle in, and as Flight 462 began to taxi out to the runway, the man stood up, ignoring the flight attendant's order to sit, saying he had post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, at this point in time... I'm kind of probably developing some airline disorder, too, if you got the guy standing up. Um, A short time later, the guy says he felt the plane shudder to a stop. Um, He wasn't immediately clear why, but here's apparently what happened. The guy, the woman, and the dog had forced open a cabin door, activated the emergency slide, and then the guy, the gal, and their dog slid out the slide onto the tarmac. The couple was in custody, don't know what happened to the dog, don't know whether they're going to face charges or whether they might be prohibited from flying Delta in the future. Well, let me, let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> let, let see. Some, as I always say, some decisions are hard, some decisions are easy. My guess, if I were giving Delta advice, my guess would be if somebody on the plane stands up, Jimmy's open the cabin door activating the slide and jumps down with your service dog my guess is that's probably not the guy you went back on the the plane but anyhow um you can you imagine being on a plane where all that's going on you've got the agitated passenger who won't sit down won't follow the orders jumping up and down and then all of a sudden the plane shutters to a stop when a cabin door pops open huh i don't think they put that on the commercials for delta
0: you're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: As it stands now, we do not have enough COVID vaccine to go around. Now, now that's that that's going to change and the hope is within the next few months Anybody that wants it, anybody wants to be vaccinated can, in fact, be vaccinated. But we're not in that situation now. So the question is, who, who should get it? You know, and we've discussed this in a couple of different contexts. It's generally agreed right now that the, the people who should get it are the people who are most vulnerable. That would be, for example, people living in, in nursing homes. And people who work in nursing homes, and the people who are on on the front line, the, the medical providers, the because we want to make sure they don't get sick, because they need to be coming into the hospital to to treat people who are otherwise sick, and we don't want them to be giving it to other people who might be in the hospital for reasons other than COVID. So, okay, we, we've got that. Then there, there's the ongoing debate: who comes next? The government has said, okay, it's going to be people over the age of seventy-four, because those people are are most vulnerable. We, we know statistically, you know, the older you get, the more vulnerable you are to have a bad outcome from COVID, which isn't to say a 30 year old can't get it and die, but statistically, that, that's not the odds. The odds are the 80 year old that gets it is much more likely to have a bad reaction than, than the 30 year old. Um, but th- there are, of course, exceptions to that. And so then, Next in line is generally going to be it's it's going to be what they call the essential workers. And and this is it's a state-by-state determination and there's there's a lot of battles going on. Who who's really an essential worker? Is a teacher more important than a firefighter or more important than a police officer? You know, what about the people that are delivering food? What about the people that are working in grocery stores? You know, if you're an essential business, are some workers more essential to others? And and that's a debate that is playing out. There is one group of people, though, that has been cutting to the head of the line, getting their vaccines along with the frontline medical workers, along with the people who are confined to the nursing homes. You know who that group of people is? The people that are saying, Grandma, get out of the way. I want my shot. Well, it's lawmakers. And because under the law, there's, there's a, there's what they call the, the continuity of government rule, which allows members of Congress to go to the front of the line. Now, earlier this week, you know, Mike Pence, well, Mike Pence, um, I mean, he, w- he was on television, you know, and he got his shot. Now, so Pence went to the front of the line. But I would argue Pence went to the front of the line because he was trying to send a message to people that the vaccine is safe. Day later, Joe Biden got his shot. All right. I, I have no problem with the president-elect of the United States, you know, getting getting his vaccine, first of all, because he's the president-elect of the United States. Secondly, because um, it, it does, I think, send this this message that here you know, Joe Biden is getting it. He must think it's safe. Everybody else should get it safe. But when you have members of Congress, including some who are in their 20s or early 30s, like AOC, going to the head of the line and getting their shots, I don't know that that necessarily sends a message to other people that it's safe. It maybe sends a message saying they want their shots, they want their vaccines ahead of other people who might might arguably or are arguably more at risk if they don't get it. Our number, 855 That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, this has been one of these things that's quietly going on. Lots of members of Congress essentially jumping in line ahead of people who are much more at risk and arguably a lot who need the vaccines a lot more to get their shots. Handful of legislators in in both parties, both parties are having problems with this, saying, you know, that, you know, we, we have issues with us jumping in line um, going ahead of people against seniors or healthcare workers to, to get it. And, you know, one of the people that's very public about this is a Republican from Florida. He's a congressman named Brian Mast. And he's saying symbols matter in life. The power symbol, powerful symbol can be, Hey, listen, we're going to make sure that we take care of the people first. You first. You first with the legislation, you first with the relief, you first with the vaccination, you first with everything else. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the accurate mortgage talk and text line. Again, let me be clear. I have no problem at all with the vice president of the United States getting the vaccine first. I have no problem with President-elect Biden and his wife getting the vaccine. I have no problem with Vice President-elect Harris. She's scheduled in a public thing to get the vaccine next week. It is kind of interesting to me, though, that you have, I don't know, 30-year-old or 28-year-old members of the House of Representatives who are not in any of the high-risk groups deciding that they want to cut in line. I think the optics are bad on that. And more importantly, I, I think I think it is fundamentally wrong. I think it is fundamentally selfish. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What do you think? We discuss in a moment.
0: Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: 855 616 1620. Somebody texted me and said, You're wrong. AOC hasn't gotten it. No. No, I'm not. AOC got it last Friday in a highly televised event, and that's that's part of the issue. Here's a text, shift. After healthcare workers, it should be just by age. We'll never come to an agreement on who is more important, but if we get 50- to 60-year-olds up and vaccinated, we would be in a much better place quickly. 855-616-1620. I, I'm sorry. People in Congress who are not in otherwise vulnerable situations... That, that 30-year-old legislator should, in my opinion, not be pushing to the front of the line to get the vaccine. Let's talk to Denise, Denise Troy. Denise, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, Denise.
5: I'm kind of aggravated. I, I work in a, in a big hospital Hi, in surgery, and I've been told that I can't get my shot for four to six weeks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what be just just because they're not available you they just you don't have the vaccine available
5: no it's available
1: no but it's not available, it's available. to you for 4 to 6 weeks
5: yeah, yeah. but i work in the front line so yep. i don't understand why it, i have to wait 4 to 6 weeks while these other people are getting it they're not even anywhere near a health care nope in a hospital. I don't I don't fit. So I'm aggravated about that.
1: Denise, if I were you, I would be aggravated. Denise, thanks for calling. If I were you, I would be aggravated as well. <laughs> I mean that that if, if I'm a frontline hospital worker who wants to get the vaccine and I'm told, okay, we, we you gotta wait four to six weeks because we don't have enough of it. And I'm sure that's what I was trying to get at with Denise. I'm not sure if she understood my question, but I'm I'm sure that's the situation. They just they just don't have enough. So they're they're prioritizing and they're saying, Okay, well, Denise works in, in surgery. Surgery, and so she's. If we're going to prior, if we're going to do our triage, we got to get it to the people that are dealing with the COVID patients first, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, if I'm Denise and I'm, I'm a surgical nurse. And I'm told you gotta wait five or six weeks, and I'm seeing this stuff where you've got like a 28-year-old member of Congress who's pushing to the front of the line because we need some sort of continuity of government, so they're gonna get the shot. Like, like, like the people that have been governing us have been doing such a great job anyways. <laughs> 855-616-1620. Um, Uh, Let's see, Jeff, after healthcare workers, it should be just by age. We'll never come to an agreement on who is more important. But I think we would all agree that it should go to the most vulnerable first. Jeff, does this surprise you? They are rarely – people – legislators are rarely ever there for us people. And this applies to both parties. Just look at how long it takes to get things done. Well, apparently, if you're in Congress and you want to push to the head of the line to get your vaccine ahead of the 75-year-old woman in your district – Well, then you don't have a problem with this at all. Jeff, I haven't missed a day of work since the beginning. Those of us who have had to work um, so teachers, middle management, legislators could stay home and still buy groceries um, and get homes fixed if they have problems, they'll be the last to get vaccines. We are now expendable. Um, Jeff, I find it funny you call out AOC, but not all the other GOP members that said this virus isn't real. (sighs) That's I'm sorry. That, that's heavy sigh for all of you who can't get over the politics of it. I'm moving on. I'm trying to figure out how we get out of this. And I'm just arguing that when it comes to a limited number of vaccinations that are available, that you, you got to have a priority and 30 year old or 40 year old or 50 year old, otherwise healthy members of Congress shouldn't be the ones at the front of the law. Jeff, I've been saying for weeks that politicians, including Pence, Biden, etc., should be the last in line if they get the vaccine at all. Now, see, I, I, I want to make a distinction. I have no problem with the leadership, the leaders of this country. I have no problem with the vice president getting it. I have no problem with President-elect Biden getting it, in part because they're getting it to send a message to people that this is safe. You're, You're talking about the leaders of the government. It's different than a congressman. It's different than a congresswoman. Jeff, this once again shows that politicians do not care about the people they represent. Jeff, my niece is a nurse in a large hospital. They're having a lottery system to determine who will get a vaccine. Well, OK, my my answer to that would be have her have her run for Congress. If she wants to get the vaccine right away, um, then she goes to the head of the line. Um, let's see, Jeff. It's a bad look for those legislators. That's from Jen in uh, Jen in Brookfield. Yeah, the optics, the optics of it are are pretty bad. Jeff, this fits with my philosophy of most politicians. I got mine. You can eat bread, (laughs) but with the Mary Antoinette thing, which was, okay, let him eat cake. Again, I I I think, you know, this is one of the situations that it's just best to kind of say I'm going to wait my turn. And look, I'm I'm going to get a vaccination, but I'm not I'm not in those targeted groups. Mine's going to be down the ways a little bit. And the last thing that I would want to do is push my way to the head of the line if I had some hook. And I don't. But look, whenever it's my time, whenever it's opened up to me, yeah, I'm going to get it. There's no question about it. But I don't think that this is one where skipping the line is very good. And if you're an elected official, using that position to skip the line is not not, I think, the right thing to do. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff, I'm a 54-year-old with COPD who works in a nursing home, not direct care staff, but I work in a nursing home. Are you telling me that AOC will get vaccinated before me? WTH, what the heck? Or words to that effect. Now, I'm not telling you that she's going to get vaccinated before you. I'm telling you she's already been vaccinated. She was vaccinated last Friday. So, yes, you're, you're, you who, 54 years old, COPD, work in a nursing home and presumably have some contact with the uh, people who are very vulnerable. Yes, AOC gets vaccinated. She's been vaccinated. You, well, you, you wait in line. It's just, it is a heck of a world. Okay. I'm being stalked. Who does this ever happen to you? My 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 wife, she um she's the queen of the deal. I, I just she's she is just amazing. Like she'll walk into a furniture store and she'll say, Okay, I'm interested in, in this and uh, Oh, and they'll say, Great. And she'll say, Well, is it is it on sale? Well, no, it's not on sale. Is it going on sale? Well, we don't know. Has it been on sale? And then they'll say, well, blah, blah, blah. And she'll say, how about I just give you 15% off? You give it to me for 15% off. And and a lot of times it, it ends up working. I, I I just, I respect that. She's, she's one of these people that, okay, we've got to have loyalty cards at every place we go. And for me... It's like it's almost kind of more trouble than it's worth, in part because I don't do the shopping. So it's, you know, I get all these loyalty cards, and half the time I I forget, you know, where they are. I don't bring them or whatever. So I I generally say no to this. So the other day, we went to – well, we went to Total Wine. Now, I I, you know, to me – I have I have a friend in West Bend who owns a liquor store and I do a lot of shopping with him and I go to a couple of the other places around but I, I needed to buy some Christmas gifts and what could be better than what could be better than bourbon okay and and so some of my friends were hearing this it's not going to be a surprise that they're getting bourbon for this and and I saw that the Total Wine had this deal on the, this type of bourbon that I wanted to get it was a deal so we go there on Saturday and, and it ended up spending stupid money on, on these different purchases. But I, so I bought a lot of that. So then they, I come up to the the counter and the guy says, well, are you a member of our, our club? And I said, no, I'm not. He says, what do you want to join? And I, I'm with my wife, and I, I say no. She says yes, and I, the guy says, "Well, you know, if you join today, you, you're making a substantial purchase, and you know you can get you can get a lot of points if you if you sign up today, and it'll be close to getting something." So I'm outvoted two to one, so we sign up for that. That's fine. I got the Total Wine thing. Give them the information and things like that. Okay, I'm being stalked by Total Wine. I, I every I would say every day in my email box, my personal email box, I, I must have. I must have somewhere between two to five or six emails from Total Wine asking me about my experience at Total Wine, telling me there's this at Total Wine, there's that at Total Wine, etc. And it's like, okay, enough, enough. I, I get it. The other day I signed up for HBO Max. I didn't realize since I have HBO that I get HBO Max for free. It took me a little bit to figure it out, but Wonder Woman's coming out. I want to see the movie, so I signed up for HBO Max, especially since it was free, since I have done that. I am like the best friend of the HBO Max thing. I I swear, on a given day, I get four or five emails from HBO Max telling me all this stuff. It's kind of like one thing after another, and I understand it's, it's free to do it. I would rather have, I guess, the emails than I would have the text messages that are really annoying, that, you know, ding and things like that. But... But I understand this is the latest thing with business, but I gotta believe that it's turning off a lot of people because look, I, 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 I appreciate that Total Wine values me as a customer. I appreciate that HBO Max or Netflix or whatever are thrilled to have me as a as a as a customer. But at the same time I, I don't want to be your best friend. Jeff, you never give your correct email. Well, okay, the problem with that is that there, there might be some times that, they want to, that you want them to contact you. I mean, see, like, like for example, Total Wine. Once you sign up, they send you this thing saying if you register, you get an extra thousand points. So, I mean, I, 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 it's not like I want to cut off all communication. I just I just don't want all this stuff. Jeff, I swear all I have to do is mention a business and I get emails. Yeah, it's like, look, I appreciate you want to stay in touch, but okay, don't don't be clingy. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner.
1: Getting swamped with texts by people who've gotten Stalked by e-tailers as well. Jeff, Bath & Body Works is the most aggressive stalker that I have ever seen. Jeff, I went online to change homeowners and automobile insurance. I went with Geico. I'm still getting emails and phone calls to go over my online quotes. Go over them. I'm already a customer. (laughs) That's Yeah, you've got that there. Um, Yeah, that's it. Then somebody's talking about, hey, Jeff, I I appreciate and relate to the story. You're in line. You just want to buy the stuff. Your wife is saying, no, we want to enroll in the card. Um, it just shows that wives are the bosses, and my note back was at my house, my wife certainly is the boss, especially when it comes to shopping. She might disagree with that outside of the shopping range, but what the heck. Then um, the person responded, men were, were like, never mind, just hurry up. Women are like, no, hold on, I have coupons. There is something there is something to be said about that.
2: At least you're getting emails about things that still apply to you, you know, so getting something from Total Wine, whereas, right. like, I've done a, a number of online shopping, as many people have, about things that, gifts that don't apply apply to my wife and everything, <laughs> and so now I'm getting uh, emails about um, bras or PJs, stuff like that and like other stuff that I'm like... Like have, women's undergarments. Yeah, huh? and I have no interest, I have no use for it other than you know maybe another year or so from now. But, you bought it as a gift, yes, or something right, like that. And right, and now it's every single day I'm getting emails from PJs and, and other yep. things, and it's like, I have no business with this. Well, it,
1: it is it is spooky because we, we talk sometimes, people are, are worried about privacy and stuff and all this, and, and what I always say in this electronic world, unless you're, you're not on the internet at all, there is no such thing as privacy because i mean i to me the freaky thing is is you do you don't even buy something you you do you do the search i mean i said this a week or two ago i i'm i'm looking at maybe maybe get another car and so what i like to do before i just go out and look at it, i might you know i want to do some research so i'm i'm there trying because i can pretty much narrow it down Um, to the the one or two types of cars that i'm interested in by doing some research and things like that so for the last couple weeks i've been doing these searches and and anytime i go online now i'm just barraged by these things for cars and it's like okay no i've I've already said i'm not buying this particular car
2: for me uh my mom contacted me and kaylee and, and, and said hey go on pampered chef and find like i don't know 50 60 bucks worth of stuff and, and we'll get it for you for christmas uh-huh. and so our mistake was going to pampered chef or searching for pampered chef because now everything is like hey we have new spatulas we we have new pots and pans we have everything that you could possibly need for your kitchen and it's like okay my mom is buying it. You don't need to bother, Don't bother <laughs> right, me with right, this. We,
1: we are not the customer. Stop, and you know, and and all this stuff you're sending me. Okay, it's beyond the, the pay thing. Yeah,
2: my, my thing is when you're when you're checking out, and they say, Hey, do you want to get our newsletters or our emails or everything? And I don't click it, and it's they right. don't listen to me at all. It, they're like, Well, you already gave us the email, so yeah. we'll just. Uh, well, we. Yeah, I think you need our newsletter anyway.
1: Yeah, and it and it, look at the total wine thing. I, I get it because with the with the stuff with the stuff we purchased. And the 1,000 points I got for signing up for the club, I, I'm already within, I don't know, a, a small purchase of getting like a $5 discount. Now, the question is whether that $5, because I don't go there that often, and, you know, will, will that $5 ultimately be worth the aggravation of having to wade through all the emails? And, and, and yeah, I know that there's settings that you could put in, but it might be that there is something occasionally I'm going to want from them. It's just I, I don't need to have that much communication, just saying. All right. As long as we were talking about the Internet, uh, for for those of you who participated in our, our trivia thing that we were doing for the Kids to Kids Christmas thing, uh, what, last week or a week and a half ago, you know, it was it was a trivia contest, but it, it's done online. Now, one of the big deals that you have with, with doing like a trivia contest online, especially where it's a competitive thing and there's going to be prizes awarded at the end. It's how do you stop people from from cheating, right? If the question is you know what you know in what year did such and such occur, and you say it online now you can you can if you're in person and there's people in the room and you see somebody okay pull out their cell phone and type something in okay well, you can blow the whistle on them but when you're talking about an online thing you know you you don't know if there's somebody there that's, you know, got the, that's Googling the, the answer. So the way, for example, our trivia contest worked, and we did it through something called Kahoot, is that, is that first of all, there was a limited amount of time to answer, like 30 seconds. And secondly, the sooner you answered, the more points you got. I don't exactly know how it worked, but if you answered in the first five seconds, you got more points than if you answered with two seconds left. So there, there was a – does that completely and totally stop cheating? No, it, it doesn't. But a short time period coupled with an incentive to enter early makes it – Makes it less likely that people are going to be able to do it, and I don't even know if you know when you when you only have thirty seconds to answer a question. I, I don't even know that that would be enough time to Google an answer and then get it back. But but that's how we deal with it. All right, here's the issue though: with more and more kids trapped in the online virtual school system, how do you deal with the issue of cheating? Now, in a regular school setting. You know, the teacher's giving the math quiz, for example. You know, and everybody's sitting at their desks. Well, okay, is, is it possible that somebody's kind of like looking over and trying to get the answers from somebody at the desk next to them? Is it possible that somebody, you know, might have access to their phone? Yeah, it's possible. But you, you've got a teacher or a proctor or a teacher's aide or somebody in that classroom plus they're surrounded by other people they're taking the test so at least you have a chance of catching them if they cheat. all right when when the kid is at home you know what's what is the safeguard and it's interesting because there's a big story today in The Wall Street Journal and this is what I want to talk to you about cheating in online schools um, it, they say it, it's definitely happening more and more because the the typical controls you have on that is is stopping. And I'm talking about like your your basic math quiz or or something like that. But here's the interesting aspect of the story. Some students and parents are arguing that it's okay to cheat. Um, For example, the author says some parents are telling her that um, their kids have had to quote unquote collaborate with friends on tests Because they feel it's the only way they are learning much this year. Jen Norton of suburban Fort Worth, Texas, said the school year has been chaotic, with numerous teachers at her daughter's school resigning. She said her daughter, a junior taking five advanced placement classes, had some great teachers, but has only one who posts assignments online and doesn't give any lectures. I told her that the teachers who are giving their best deserve her respect and that she should give them everything she has, and that means not teaching. But she waives the advice for seemingly less engaged teachers. I said, you give to her what she's giving to you, and if that means Googling an answer on a quiz, I'm fine with that. If it means asking a friend something over text, I'm fine with that too because she's not giving you her best. I didn't think I'd ever be okay with telling my kids to use her resources and Google things but that's where I am now. And then it goes on to quote other people saying, well, it's a very competitive environment nowadays. You want to get into good schools. You want to get into good colleges. And so cheating might be okay because how do you know that the people you're competing against aren't doing that? Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I understand there has always been There's always been a desire to do as well as you can, and there's always been people out there who, you know, want to take shortcuts and and want to cheat, all right? At the same time, I I guess I'm surprised that we've now reached a point where we are using the pandemic – as an excuse for people who should know better, like the parents, to justify the kids doing this. The idea, well, you know, it's tough to teach in today's environment. It's almost impossible to learn. This isn't a good setup. Um, the kids have to compete with, to get into the good schools. Why should they be at a disadvantage? We'll look the other way if they crib answers on their math test. 855-616-1620. That's the accident mortgage talk and text line. Some people say collaborate. Others say cheat. All right? It, is cheating still wrong? Or in today's day and age, given... The fact that you know learning is not taking place like it typically did. Is it okay for the kids to I don't know if you've got a Google answer and you know you're not gonna get caught? Is is anybody harmed if the kid cheats? eight five five six one six one six twenty. My answer is for so many reasons yes. What do you think?
2: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: 855-616-1620, which is the AccuNet Mortgage talk and text line. Jeff, what's wrong with kids cheating? If I don't know something at work, I Google it or ask someone else. Why should school be any different? Well, alright. It, it does, does my texter have a point? It, it's, it's true. I mean, do, do we need to know? Basic multiplication skills. I mean, for example, why, why should we expect kids to know that 4 times 6 is 24? Why, why should we expect people to be able to do multiplication? Because, hey, if, if for some reason you need to know that, all you have to do is pull out your calculator, or pull out your phone, open up the calculator act, put 4 times 6, and you get the number 24. Do, do we need, is there any reason to expect people to learn anything, do we need to know? Should why do we care if people, you know, know who the forty-fifth president of the United States was? I mean, does 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 it matter? Because if for some reason that comes up, you can just pull out your cell phone or you can Google. I mean, do do we care if if people? can't function? Do we care if people are um, can't do basic math skills? Do we care if people don't have an understanding of things because, well, when they were supposed to write the essay on um, what was the cause of the Civil War, all they did was they, you know, went online, they pulled up the Wikipedia thing, they cut it, they pasted it, and they turned it in. Should we care about that? Now, I my answer would be yes, for a variety of reasons, but I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's true. I mean, if I if I don't know an answer to something nowadays, I'm going to either ask somebody or, and even if it's something that I supposedly learned when I was in school, I'm going to ask somebody or I'm going to use the Internet. Yeah, I, I use it as a resource, but I still know what four times six is. Mike in Illinois. Mike, here are on WTMJ.
5: Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and just like you said, for a variety of reasons, and I was thinking about it as you were talking, and I think, for me, the biggest reason is, you know, it's not just about, you know, looking up a fact. You know, you're taking these classes, and they're teaching you how to think critically, Yep. and it's just, it's not just a critical thinking class that you go to. It's all these classes do help you. You know, all those times when I was taking algebra and trigonometry and calculus, I'm like, you know, why am I taking this? What, is, what good is this going to do? But it did teach me how to think, and it taught me how to push myself a little
1: bit. Well, well right, and at and, and so many levels, when it comes to learning, it's a building block type of thing you know let's I mean, let me let's take reading so you know the, the deal is all right you you know you have to be proficient you, you've got to read at a, if, if you can't read at a sixth grade level you're, you're not going to be prepared to read books that they're going to assign in high school because you know you you don't have those basic skills you know you're talking about math if you don't understand some of the basic pre, some of the basic premises of algebra you're, you're going to be lost you know when you try to take the more advanced courses it's all building blocks type of stuff and and if all you're doing is googling the answers well all you're going to know at the end of the day is how to push a button and type some stuff in
5: exactly and you know one of the thing about learning how to critically think is when you do look up something you do know how to look it up efficiently instead of like just randomly trying to type something in and trying to figure something out i mean i feel like you I mean i look on wikipedia a lot too just sure. for my own personal knowledge but i feel it's because of how I learned that I'm able to, you know, come yeah. chase and find yeah. out what I'm trying to find quickly.
1: Right? No, exactly. Thank you. Right. you have your and look. And I, I I'm not. I mean, I, I use, I use the internet a lot as a resource. I might have a. I might have a general knowledge of a, of a particular incident, for example, like in American history. So we'll take that, and I, I, I sort of know what happened, but I I have forgotten or never learned the details of that. So yeah, I'll, I will use the internet to help expand that knowledge, and I know at least enough to ask the right questions. But you're right, if you don't, if 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 all you've done is cheat your way through. Uh, And you have no basic knowledge at all. You don't even necessarily know what the questions are that you should ask. Um, Here's a text. Jeff, I'm a middle school teacher. As disheartening as it is, I've accepted that grades this year are not a true representation of ability. To mitigate the damage to some extent, I use multiple assessment methods projects. Open-ended responses, participation, etc. It's all par for the course right now. So yes, cheating is wrong. But I'm doing what I can to ensure a fair process for all. Given there is so much that I cannot control. Yeah, I, I'm very sympathetic to the teachers because you you you, you want to try to be fair, but you also have to recognize that the standard way of here I'm I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a math test, and, and I'm, i here, here's what we're going to do in a classroom we take the piece of paper we we'd give everybody a copy of the test and we'd say you have 30 minutes to complete this okay well if you try to do that in an online setting here here's these problems you've got Thirty minutes to complete it. You you know darn well that there's going to be a good percentage, maybe even majority of the kids who are are going to be you know sitting there with their cameras turned off, and um, they're going to be sitting there with their cell phones, and they're going to be googling stuff, and their calculators. And there's very little that you can do. Robert in Pewaukee. Robert, you're on
6: WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon. Hi, Robert. Uh, how you doing? Good. I just uh I just wanted to throw in uh my agreement and um uh mm-hmm. you know the last couple of callers I agree my my main point when I was talking to the screener was uh extrapolating into the future into the distant future who knows how many years down the road in your life that you've gone uh the mindset of someone who just has to get that grade, just has to pass that class, you know, at the moment, it seems like it's an important thing, but eventually I think either, you know, mm-hmm. that's the kind of person that you are, and you're going to carry that with you into the future. Yep. And if you've done that throughout, you know, who who knows what you're doing uh, yeah. career wise, but, you know somebody at the end of the road or or down there near the end of the road is going to suffer at your hand you know right. i mean
0: oh yeah you're going to get
1: exposed you know, you at some point career. in time yeah no thanks to Colorado, you're going to get exposed at some point in time there's there's no question about it now look i i let, let's take math and as an example I, I if you're a salesperson okay and you're you're, fig- let's say you're selling, you're a carpet salesperson, okay? So you're, you know, you're, you're taking the measurements and you're sitting there and you're, and you're figuring out, okay, you buy it by the yard and this is how much it's going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, well, I, I understand that you're going to be using, yes, you could do it longhand. You could have that, that basic stuff and do it, but I understand you're going to be using a calculator, the computer, or whatever. That, that only makes sense, but it doesn't mean you don't have that basic knowledge. Jeff, I was in a Jimmy, gym- here's a text, uh, I was in a Jimmy John's, power was out, Regist- were not working. Sandwich was nine dollars and eighty-seven cents. I gave the waiter a ten. He couldn't count back my change without reaching in his pocket for a cell phone. Yeah, that's that's the the case. I mean, I, I've told these stories before about how you know we're raising, I think, generations of people who can't do basic math in in their head. And you might say, well, there's no reason for it, but I I mean, I disagree. I mean, if I'm if I'm walking through a grocery store because my wife has left me and or I'm assigned with doing the shopping and i, I mean I, do i know exactly how much i am spending no, but I know approximately how much it, it should be. So I mean, I can't tell you if it should be $23 or $25, but I know it's around that range. So if suddenly the bill comes up and it, it says it's 50 bucks, I know something's wrong. Either I've purchased something that I did not intend to purchase, or alternatively, they, they've made a mistake in ringing something up. If you can't do basic math to have an idea as to how much stuff should cost, you're lost. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Stick around.